interception here and you know tripping over our own feet there and it, it just seemed like it was a different thing every week a block punt a kick return um, you know we really keep focusing on special teams to make sure that that we're formidable there uh, otherwise I think it's just a mentality and and we've been talking to our guys a lot about those things Why do you always want to pick on Nebraska? Do I pick on Nebraska? Yeah. All I say about Nebraska is they haven't been good in a long time. Their fans are really old. But outside that, I don't really say anything too mean about them. Just make fun of their fans and their overall success on the field. Well, you think Texas sucks and is going to be not any good this year, Uh but you think they're going to win more games than Nebraska. That is, you're right. That is very mean. That I think Texas is going to win more games with them. I forgot about that one. There's three things. <laughs> Just wait till I come back from Lincoln. I have might have more opinions on Nebraska. Uh, you'll like, you'll no, like I, Nebraska. I, no, the, the the trip is going to be awesome, man. I uh, I cannot I cannot wait. And I, we're going to have uh, some pretty cool things coming up for the pre and post game show. And really for that entire weekend, Friday looking like it's probably going to be Omaha and then Saturday and Sunday pre and post game. It's it's going to be cool. I am um it's been a while since I've been looking forward to a road trip like this one. This is going to be sweet. Yeah. I think so too. I I just I think that um it's a place that I've never I've never even been to the state of Nebraska before. But going to a Nebraska football game definitely seems like it's cool. And I think you, you factor going in that you're going to be treated well. Right? I mean, yeah. in, in that a fair assumption here? Yeah. That you're going to get treated well? I, I think that that's think so. definitely going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I Hey, uh, I, I expect it to be a fun environment, a welcoming, wel- welcoming environment, a – Awesome stadium, an awesome atmosphere, and I think it's going to be a good football game. But I think Oklahoma's going to win. Yeah. And I do think that there's a chance that, and depending on how everything clicks for us, uh, you know, they're, they're going through some new things as well. They've got a new quarterback uh, that's transferred in. They've got a new offensive coordinator that's had success elsewhere that they're trying to build off of. I mean, there's a lot of similarities here, but – you know, we're starting from a much higher level than Nebraska is, and that should carry over. Their fans definitely do not hate OU fans. Um, what fan bases do hate OU fans? Arkansas. Arkansas, we established that yesterday. Texas. Texas, of course. Oklahoma State, of course. Tech hates everyone, so I OU falls under that. There's probably a... There's probably a, some level of hatred from every single Big 12 fan base. But you never hear it because their fan bases are so small. Yeah, and right, no one has been able to consistently – like you can't say a whole lot if you can't go beat that team. Like West Virginia. Uh, maybe they dislike OU, but sure it, would, it would be really – I mean, they haven't beaten OU since they've you rolled in the Big 12. You can't be very loud and vocal about – like your hatred for another fan base if you can't ever beat them. So that's kind of been the problem. A&M is definitely in that group, I think. Not recently, since the SEC move was announced, I think it died down a little bit. Arkansas, OSU, Texas, Tech, and A&M. 
Anyone else? Missouri? USC now. <laughs> USC definitely does. Um, do you think that in college football, fan base hatred aims upward or aims downward? Because I'm, I'm, I think that maybe it aims downward. Meaning what? That's – well, yeah, what, I mean – I mean that a lot like for Oklahoma. Like there's a lot of fan bases that we don't like because there's nothing worse than whenever you lose to a team that's not as good as you, they ruin a good right. season. So you're saying that OU like, wouldn't claim to hate Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson. Like that's what you're saying. Right, and I don't know that those fan bases necessarily like. I don't know that fan bases hate those teams. I they know they're better. I maybe there's arrogance there every year, and maybe there is some hatred. But I, when someone ruins something big for you, I that's where you get some deep seated hatred. Like there's still OU fans that hate Miami. Yeah, I, I mean I'm one of them. Kansas basketball, um, LSU Sugar Bowl, mm-hmm. like those those moments are what like leave lasting impressions. But you know, I guess those are all good, but not necessarily. I still hate Villanova basketball after what they did, <laughs> right. and all they did was shoot ninety eight percent from the field that night. Right. It is, um, you know, some fan bases are easier to hate than others. The LSU fan base is easy to hate. I mean, OU fans were around them one time, and we're still talking about it, you know, 19 years, however long after the fact. The Miami fan base is easy to hate. The Florida State fan base is easy to hate. You get it. Is the OU fan base one that's easy to hate or not so much? Because I think they do tend to be on the friendly side of things when they're in a, uh, you know, road game or home setting, if that makes sense. Um, Social media, they're aggressive, but I think if you get OU fans like out and about, they're actually probably one of the more pleasant fan bases for a major D1 school. Yeah, I I don't know. I think it probably comes and goes. Like right now, I think we are a probably a easy fan base to get along with. But you win a national championship or a couple of them, and everything kind of changes. I I imagine everyone hated OU and their fan base in the late 70s and 80s, right? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. When you start winning a bunch of games in a big fashion, and I, I don't know that our team is going to be uh, anything outlandish, but you know, everyone starts to kind of get that. You know, superiority conflict, uh, uh, you know, where you walk in and... OU fans will be the biggest I told you so fan base right. ever That's if they saying. break through and, and win one with this staff. Oh, it'll be unbearable for everyone else. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, not only do the fan, your, the, will your fan base be start, you know, puffing the chest out and being a little more bold around everyone else, it also a little more... Um, a little harder on like the play, like players at the university and the staff at the university. Like once those expectations get ramped all the way back up to championship or bust. I mean, I know 
we always have championship expectations. But once you win one, the feeling is, well, we're going to win them all now. And when you don't, you start to get really angry. Also known as the uh, Bama syndrome. Yeah. Uh, Bam- when Bama and OU played the home and home in 02 and 03, it was like longtime best friends meeting together for the first time. I mean, you talk about uh, instant chemistry and hitting it off right away. I mean, there were Bama fans that came to OU in 02, and they made like lifelong friends with some OU fans. I know some OU fans that like still have friends from that trip. And then uh, OU fans obviously got treated well in 03. But like all that to say, Bama used to be the super nice, friendly fan base back in the day. Now they've been completely spoiled, and they have uh, turned quite arrogant since all of their recent success. Right. Well, I don't know. Uh, if we start to get really arrogant, that's a good thing because that means we've uh, won a recent championship. So I'm down for it. Yeah. When we take the SEC by storm, we will accumulate fan bases that will hate us. I agree. OU fans are mostly good except for the rare but loud big red b-hole. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's true. Not only are we going to um, attract some haters in the SEC, we're also going to develop some uh, hatred of our own of some fan bases. The world hated us when Switzer was rolling. It was awesome. Uh, Boise State fans for obvious <laughs> reasons. Yeah, I hear you there. That's I still what I'm hate, saying. The still hate, hate Boise that's on the text line. Hate pointed down. A&M hates OU. Jinx can beat Nebraska. How do you think our special teams will be this year? Huh. Now there's a question. I think our punter's going to win the Ray Guy Award. I don't even know. He's on the watch list now. Yeah. I think they should go ahead and hold the ceremony. That would be cool if OU – I don't think OU's ever won a Ray Guy Award before, right? Really? I don't know. Um, I I don't know who the kicker's going to be. Do you? Um, I, I, It's going to be shaky, whoever it is, I feel like. Shaky? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean shaky? I mean, it could be a shaky experience. You don't feel good year. about it? I do not feel good about kicker. I'm hoping that – maybe just go for two every single time with this new OC. What are you talking about? Uh, that's not a good sign. Yeah, it's not a good sign, I know. Shaky? Yeah. You can't – well, I guess you can win a championship with Bama a, sh- did it yeah, several a shaky times. kicker. They've, have they ever not had a shaky kicker? Talk with two guys on campus from Oregon in 04 when we played in Norman, and they said OU fans were the nicest they'd met and the trip was the most fun they'd ever had. They did mention don't expect the same treatment when we went up there in 06. Oregon fans just probably thought it was awesome that they were able to go to a football game with more than 60,000 people in attendance. Ooh, nice. A little shot fired there. You know what? Uh, that experience doesn't shock me, but you know, just because those gentlemen had that experience doesn't mean that every Oregon fan had that experience. Like You just never know who you're going to come across in the parking lot, right? Or who you're going to sit by. There's 80,000 people in that stadium. You could sit by a really fun, nice group, welcoming group, or you could sit by the guy that's wasted and screams the entire time and talks trash the entire time. It's a bit. There's a little bit of luck of the draw there. Question for Teddy. What was it like on the sidelines in 03 when Antonio Perkins set the punt return record in the UCLA game? (laughs) Sidelines. Two of those touchdowns I was on the field, we were in punt safe. 
it was that game was amazing. It was it got to the point where what are you doing? Why do you keep punting to this guy? We actually talked about this game on uh, Friday when you when you were off. It was you know as an OU fan you want to see history, but as just a college football fan, it's also what are you what are you doing? Why do you keep punting? And it felt like he kept out punting his coverage on that, yeah. which ended up in a complete disaster. But they just kept giving Antonio Perkins chances, and he kept running them back for a touchdown. Yeah, no kidding. Two of those touchdowns came when we were in punt safe and didn't even have returns set up. Hilarious. Antonio Perkins or Joe Washington, all-time OU punt returner? Who you got and why? Oh, man. I love Joe Washington. Um, and who knows? Like he, he played in the wrong era, man, which I know he was fantastic in the era in which he played. I'm not saying that, but... Like all of the space on the field now that they create for, like, he's he was Tyreek Hill, way back in the in the seventies. I'll take Antonio Perkins though. The statistics do not lie. Pretty good, man. He's uh, got a record that still holds up today. So that's that's hard to argue with. Uh, by the way, we did the fun experiment yesterday. I had three random games from your playing career with three random clues, mm-hmm. and you had to figure out which game it was. And yeah. you said you made the comment of like, "Okay, I actually might do better of games from 2012 to present." Right. Well, look what I did: three games and three clues oh I gosh. have from uh, 2012 to present. Would you like to uh, partake in this? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, game number one, Samaje Pirine in this game. This is like a two and one clue, okay? Okay. Samaje Pirine had 37 carries for 239 yards and a score, but the last run of the game was the most memorable. That's Oklahoma that State. Well, okay, well, what year? Um,. Would you like to hear the second clue, or would you just like yeah, to go blurt ahead. it out? Go ahead. D.D. Westbrook got injured. He was still the leading receiver. Don't remember that. Um, but it, it's got to be, it's got to be Oklahoma State at home when Perini took the knee. Uh huh. That's that's right. I just see if you can get the year. Uh, let's see. I think. I think 2014 was – that's whenever we lost at home, right? In I, over, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not the no, one we guessing. Won it in, you are. I think, I think that would be 2016. Oh, I thought you were going to say 2014 and no. get it wrong. 2014 was the, uh, the repunt game. Right. 2016, yes. OU won that day and actually for the first time ever – won a Big 12 championship on their home field, which had never happened before, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was awesome. That was a great game. Man, look at that. I nailed it. First clue. Yeah. I, I know. I'm making these easy for you. This one's a little bit more difficult, okay. maybe. All right. Uh, next game. The backup quarterback for the opponent started this day. Yeah. He was 18-24 for 343 yards. Three touchdowns, no picks. What a day by this backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. OU outrushed this team 190-81 to 81 this day. But the third clue, OU blew a 24-10 home lead. 
I think this has to be – I think it was Iowa State. What was the guy's name? Zeb Nolan. Uh, we lost the game, had the opportunity, had the ball ready to go down and tie it. Baker Mayfield threw an interception late on the little crosser. So that had to be um, – Gosh, what year was that? Because we lost to... You got to calculate what years Baker Mayfield played. Yeah, we, we beat Ohio State in... Oh, come on, you're so close. Come on. I think it's got to be 2017. It's 2017. Yeah. You would try to like psych yourself out or something. No, I'm just trying to make sure I I get the, uh, the dates right. Two yeah. for two on the day. Five for five the past two days. He's like an OU historian over know. here. It's pretty unbelievable. Right. You got uh, Lambacus, you got Brooksy, and then you got me when it yeah. comes to OU and history. And not in that particular order, <laughs> right. by the way, right? right. All right, uh, last one I have here. The opposing quarterback in this game, was 7 of 21 for 65 yards, no touchdowns, and OU only won the game by four points. I'll repeat, the opposing quarterback against OU this day was 7 of 21 for 65 yards and no touchdowns, and OU only won the game by four. Wow. Clue, does this ring any bells, no. by the way? All right. Clue number two, the starting quarterback for OU this day had a pick six. Okay. OU, third and final clue. OU this day outrushed the opponents. Remember, they only won by four points. The quarterback was 7-21 for 65 yards and no touchdowns. OU outrushed this team 366-139. to 366. God, who could this be? To 139. The opposing quarterback had a 33% completion percentage, didn't even throw for 70 yards, zero touchdowns. OU outrushed this team by over 150 yards, and they still only won by four. Did, did you say whether it was home or away? I did not say whether it was home or away. Um, man, okay, it's not – my first instinct is to think it's a Kansas State team. Um, to keep it close like that, 7 of 21. 65 yards, no touchdowns, OU won by four. I will give you a hint on the pick six. The pick six was like a 97, 98-yard pick six the other way. 97 or 98-yard yeah, pick it was, six? It was very unfortunate. Oh, my gosh. OU was going into score and pick six the other way. This is somewhat of a forgettable game. It was a conference game. I'll give you that. And it was a home game. Um, I know I know we threw the uh, I know Trevor Knight threw a pick six to a TCU backer, but was it that long? That was um Trevor Knight did not throw this pick. OU lost that game to TCU in twenty fourteen. Okay. He also did that to Kansas State. They lost and he threw one against Baylor that year too. Sorry for bringing that up, Trevor. Oh man. Oh. What was it? Oklahoma State? No, it was not. It was uh, TCU in 2019. TCU. TCU in 2019. Yeah. Wow. Max Duggan, seven to 21 for 65 yards. OU outrushed him 366 to 139. 
OU won by four points that day. And I think Max Duggan, there was like some call that happened. Something went in OU's favor or TCU had a real chance to win that game late. Oh, no, I'm thinking of the – was it um, – Was it, a, it was a fourth down that we did clearly did not get, and yeah. they moved the chains, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I think we talked about it. I was like, why is no one discussing this? I told you that was somewhat of a – 2019 TCU at home is kind of a forgettable yeah. game, but yeah. you dominated – you dominated the stat sheet and – we're fortunate enough to win. Crazy. Very fortunate. Crazy. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on next. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing you the final hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, we are the home of Sooner fans. Text line says, careful guys, there's this wet stuff falling from the sky. Is it really raining out there? Let me Shut up. I'm trying to look outside. Oh, we got the uh, we got the uh, the blinds down here. I can't see outside. I don't believe it. It hasn't rained here in three months. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't. You know the last time it rained here was when I was January? in Disney World. No, you know what? That is true because you were on vacation the week before I was, and it was a torrential downpour Flooded. Yeah. that entire week. And then as soon as we left, uh, yeah, it has not rained since. Yep. Which is great for water bills. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. We could use it. It's what? I thought it was tomorrow, Friday, maybe Saturday. There was like a 40% chance. That's what old Mike Morgan said. I ain't complaining. Bring it on. We need it. Give us a bath. It's going to be incredibly, horribly humid, but I'll take it. Did a Big Ten commissioner say, yeah, we're targeting Cal, Stanford, Washington, and Oregon, and then come back and say, nah, we're not targeting any specific teams? Is that the way I understand it? Let me tell you something that's really interesting about uh, what he went up there and said, which the conference commissioners never say as much as what he said. They don't. They'll say that yeah we we'll be bold in in pursuing possibly avenues that you know if we need to expand we'll pursue that that's typically what they say or they're going to try to make the conference hip <laughs> like we're having a Big Twelve media day they do not single out teams unless there's something there so I thought I thought it was. Interesting that he said Stanford, Cal, Oregon, and Washington, okay? But then he said Notre Dame, Miami, Florida State. Uh, Was there one more? He didn't say Clemson, so I don't think so. He did not say Clemson. Now, that's the most interesting thing of all. If you're talking about teams that bring value to the Big Ten, 
and Cal brings value to the Big Ten. Stanford brings value to the Big Ten. But Clemson doesn't? Huh. That makes me feel like Clemson already has a deal to go somewhere else. The Big 12. The Mountain West. Keep going. AAC. Really? The AAC? No. SEC. I know. Right? Yeah, I mean, I mean it, that, that's that always leave, made sense. It's always made sense. Why else would he leave Clemson out of that group of, like, ten teams? Does – well, and here's the thing is, you know, there used to be, and it may still be a thought, of you can't just have one team or three teams. You have to have a – a mate come in the conference with you. But if they're going to do no divisions and do this unique conference schedule, do you have to have an even number? Does, does mathematically, does it work that way if it's just Clemson only? I don't know. I'm just but didn't someone not too long ago throw out Clemson and North Carolina? Uh, well, Swim Swam had Virginia in there too, right? Is that right? Yeah, I think SwimSwam.com, had, that's what they had. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's remember crazy. remember that day that was yeah. fun um i don't know i just thought the fact that he he started naming schools that they'd like to bring in to add value uh, i thought it's really interesting that you leave clemson out now i guess you could say well stanford and california again tie into that big california tv market washington and Oregon gets you the TV market in the uh, in the Northwest. Miami, FSU gives you Florida for the television market down there. Clemson doesn't really add much of a television market, but it's a hell of a, a football team that people would love to watch play in you know, across the country. So I thought that that was. Yeah. Does really it, weird. Does, I wonder if it gets to the point now where, yeah, man, I mean, there's not a whole lot of markets that you can acquire at this point and really expand. I mean, you can expand your footprint, but you, you know what I mean here. I mean, yeah. you're kind of set where you're set here. The battle now is between the two conferences, the Big Ten or the SEC. Who's going to be thought of as the strongest? So that could be a point for the SEC to say, we want to be known as the best conference for on the field for TV negotiations, and it just makes all the sense in the world that we acquire Clemson because that strengthens our football product even more in the league. Yeah. I'd be down. I, I don't know how the text line feels about adding more teams to the SEC, but if it's a Clemson and a North Carolina, oh, okay, yeah. I'm in it for the road trips, and sounds like a fun road trip to me. Plus, yeah. we get to be reunited with Mac. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, hey, I don't, I don't know how it all goes down. Um, I, it's interesting. It's really interesting. But the other thing that he said, sixteen team playoff. All right, they wouldn't vote for the twelve. But now, I guess after they've they've added some teams, now he's wanting a sixteen team playoff. How about that? Well, I, I I don't doubt that that's going to happen. If there's a model to have even more money for more teams, then yeah. Here's what I think is interesting. Just do home sites, please. One of the one of the pushbacks to an expanded playoff has been what? It has been, well, already in the semi, just the four team playoff. It, there's hardly any good games. They're always blowouts. Well, if you have a 16 team playoff. 
I think you're going to get a lot better games than than the current because right now you would agree that usually the top two teams there's a pretty big separation. It feels like that this year, right? Honestly, uh, it was like that last year. Yeah, really big separation. So you'll have like your one and two seed will have a big separation, but all of the other teams are fairly close to one another. Like the, the difference between the one and two, sometimes three has been, uh, there's been a, a true separation there. But like if you're going through four through eight or four through 10, even 12, those teams tend to be way closer to one another. And I think you'd get, end up getting better games. I'd hope so because the semifinal games, there's been about three of them that have been competitive and close. I, I, I mean, I, I would hope so. I, I read something interesting thing, today is, yeah. and this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. We can get back to that, but um, you know, future betting in college football is down right now because there's no real parity at the top. You know, why would you bet on a college football national championship future? Why would you bet on a long shot when you know deep down inside? It's probably going to be Alabama or Ohio State this year. Here's the other thing. One of the reasons you don't have good semifinal games is, uh, okay, like Alabama, Georgia were significantly better than Michigan and Cincinnati, right? And, and it showed. But one of the reasons it becomes so pronounced is because the teams that are better have a month to prepare like a month of practice for Alabama to play Cincinnati? Uh, that gives Cincinnati no chance. If, if you expand the playoff and start playing those games instantly and Alabama doesn't have uh, a, an entire month to just destroy, all, like go through every single amount of film – they can and get the perfect exact uh, game plan that they need. I I think that is one of the big separating factors. So if you expand the playoff and they're playing right away, you don't get to you don't get to build up for that. Clemson and FSU. That's on the text line. Uh, SEC needs to stay at sixteen. That's on the text line. Hate the idea of two super conferences. Well, I think most people do, but here we go. That's that's where we're going. Clemson doesn't meet the Big Ten academic standards. I don't think that that matters like it used to anymore. Well, I don't know. You tell me Florida State meets those standards? No, I don't think so. And Miami meets those standards? Is um, This might be dumb. Does USC meet those standards? I don't yeah. know. Is it – is it a legitimate academic school? I know UCLA is. I didn't yeah. know if USC was. It or is. Not. It's what is it? The research, the national research. I, I don't know. I like don't, Nebraska isn't even an AAU school anymore, and it was thought like, oh, you got to be an AAU accredited university if you're going to roll in the Big Ten. Like if OU seriously wanted to go to the Big Ten, even though they're not, I don't think they're still one of those schools. That would not be a hurdle for them to join the conference. I would think that sounds like some big scam where universities you know you have to do some certain things to meet these requirements and then you also have to pay like some big fee to be associated with it probably to try and help you know get more students to come to your school or whatever 
Sounds lame. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Couple of segments left. Stay tuned. It is the rush live on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, we're the Homeless Sooner fans. Text line confirming that there is water falling from the sky in northeast Oklahoma City. Oh, I don't amazing. know. I still don't believe it. I still you, don't believe it. You think if I walk outside or in northwest Oklahoma City, it looks like Shawshank Redemption whenever he comes out of, <laughs> and he's, yeah. the yes. water's coming down? Yes. But it's going to be a much lighter rain than in that scene. But still, that's what it'll feel like. Uh, well, I would – Climb through four football fields length length of poo for a, a good rain right now. Yeah, I think five for me, honestly. The water <laughs> bill's so high right now. Water in the plants outside. Yeah, I think I would too. Matt Corral, former Ole Miss quarterback, yeah. current Carolina Panthers quarterback, says he took the easy way out going to Ole Miss. Quote, I took the easy way out because I felt I could play right away. Knowing what I know now and trusting my instincts and my work ethic, I would have went to a place that would have made me compete, end quotes. It's kind of an odd comment after you had a super successful season in Oxford and now off to the NFL. That is interesting. What do you think that is rooted in? Um, That's... He felt that maybe he could have been a higher draft pick at a more established university. I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I really don't know what to make of that. I mean, I, I guess maybe you just take it at face value. He, he feels like he could have gone to a, a bigger school and competed for some bigger uh, championships, accolades perhaps. I don't know. It's... It's an odd comment to make, though. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Yeah, I was. he didn't transfer in or anything. He was there the whole time, right? Yeah, he's a California kid, and I think he, um, I think he was from California to, to Ole Miss. Yeah, I think that's what, how that went down. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. He, he, I guess maybe he feels like, the expectations maybe weren't high enough on him. You know, he could have perhaps gone somewhere, gone somewhere else, and uh, it would have been a tougher environment. I don't know. I don't know what he means by that. It's interesting. I would like for him to uh, be asked that question again to clarify it even more. Right. That'd be interesting. Uh, also, college football's projected leading rushers in 2022. Oh, you know that Mr. Lambeau himself, B. John Robinson, is on this list. Uh, Travis Dye at USC is number eight on this list. Okay. Chris Rodriguez at Kentucky, seven. Travion Henderson at Ohio State was at number six. Uh, B. John Robinson was at four. Deuce Vaughn at K-State was at three. Sean Tucker at Syracuse is one. And then Central Michigan's running back, Lou Nicholas, uh, Lou Nichols III, uh, projected the leading rusher in college football. He had 1,848 rushing yards last season, so it was a pretty good year. Now, no sign of any, any OU backs. 
is there a scenario here where oh you could have a top 10 leading rusher in college football or there's just too many guys that's going to get carries this year a top 10 um i would say it's not impossible but probably unlikely 1400 yards is where you had to get to be a top 10 rusher last year. Mm, that's going to be tough. Um Deuce Vaughn hit it, Brees Hall hit it, Abram Smith hit it. Three backs from the Big 12 got into that group over 1400 yards. So Deuce Vaughn's really not splitting any carries. Deuce- Brees Hall's really not splitting any carries whatsoever. And Abram Smith, maybe more so than the other two, but it didn't feel like a whole lot even with him. He had the most carries of all of them. Yeah. Uh, Brees Hall had 250, Deuce had 235, and uh, Abram Smith had 257. So, but all the, I mean, Abram Smith had 257 carries, but averaged 6.2 yards a carry. And I don't see an OU running back as fast as they may go getting near that number of carries this year. Um, can an OU running back get to 1,400 yards this year? Sure, but they're going to have to have you know two or three games where they have monster numbers in those particular games. Right. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic on the running game. But I don't know, I don't know who is going to emerge as the as the top rusher. I, hey, I want to believe all the Eric Gray hype. I loved how he looked in the final game of the season, which was the Alamo Bowl versus Oregon. Loved how he looked there. Thought he looked good in the spring game. But that's you know I, the majority of what I saw from him was. Just one okay. cut away, yeah, just okay. One guy making the tackle between him and, a, and an explosive play, and maybe this year he's able to to fight through those. And I and- think that's fair, man. I mean, uh, you know, we're projecting everyone else on the team to make a jump with this new coaching staff, with the off season regiment they just went through. Why can't Eric Gray do the same? He and- can. And you know, I've got a little bit of a bias as a linebacker if I'm standing there. And Eric Gray, Marcus Major, and Javante Barnes are standing there, you know, in their uniforms, and I get to select who I want to tackle. Guess who I want to tackle? I want to tackle Eric Gray. I don't think you could tackle either of the three, but okay, that's Eric Gray. But I'm not saying I could, but I that's who I feel like I'd have the best <laughs> chance against. And, you know, it's – the physical toll that a guy like Marcus Major and what I think Javante Barnes is going to turn into, is that's not what you want as a defender. That's no, what Abram Smith for yeah, Baylor was. They uh, That's going to be one of the more interesting positions to monitor throughout training camp and the season because Eric Gray, Barnes, Major, Tawi Walker, Sawchuck, UCF transfer. I mean, that's six names that – I mean, you you can trust that. What what six, is that? Six scholarship players. I think that might be six scholarship players. Um, that could. I, you you got to think that it's going to shuffle at least a little bit once the season starts. Who leads the Big Twelve in rushing? Deuce. 
Um, I think that my my hang up with Deuce is that I think Adrian Martinez is going to run the ball quite a bit too. But I I mean Kansas State's quarterbacks always have. Um yeah, I'll say Deuce Vaughn is the leading rusher in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Dang, man. He's a career he averaged over six yards a carry last year and in twenty twenty 5.2 yards a carry. Uh, he's like a career 5.8 yards a carry guy. 235 attempts last year compared to 123. So, like, that's that's impressive. Really impressive. Yeah, and the back end of his freshman year, he seemingly kind of hit a wall, you know, and wasn't the same player as he was at the front part of his freshman year when he had those massive runs against OU and Norman. So, he had to have a really good year last year to kind of get that number back up to where it is. Jeez, he had uh, 25 receptions in 2020. He had 49 last year. 49 receptions out of the backfield uh, did use, and it's only going to get better for him. I'm, I'm starting to like some Kansas State. Starting to like some Kansas State. They may have the best running back in the conference, may have the best defensive lineman in the conference. And uh, not a whole lot of depth, though. I mean, those those guys got to be out true. there for twelve games. I it, they got good. Well, that's what's hurt them before is the Thompson I, I know, kid. I know good frontline players, but if they have to dip into any depth, they're in trouble. Yep. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap things up next. <laughs> 